Good afternoon and welcome to the Auto Retail Live quarter four briefing. Can't believe it. We're nearly at Christmas. I was going to say it earlier before anybody else jumped in. Uh, it's an exciting time in the automotive industry. We've faced the challenges of COVID. The industry has reacted quite magnificently uh, in transforming to digital-based sales. Uh, but of course, supply is one of the restrictions on business, but doesn't certainly seem to be affecting profits. Um, happy days, used car prices are going up, retailer profits are soaring. Uh, although used car sales are down, the SMMT's data today showing quarter three, um, a slight fallback of, of 6%. Um, and overall, new car sales for the year um, are forecast to be a little bit down um, on the original forecast, but will be slightly better than 2020. But remember, 2020 was the year of lockdown. So let's try and put some order around uh, quarter four uh, as we head towards the back end of 2021. Uh, with us uh, on our panel today, delighted to welcome back Dash Gupta, the chief exec of Marshall Motors, uh, Robin Luscombe, the managing director of Luscombe Group, uh, and of course, a uh, familiar face to us, Carolina uh, Edward Schmider, who's the product director for Auto Trader. We'll be having our conversation and welcoming your calls, um, sorry, your comments, rather than calls, your comments uh, either directly by typing them into the webinar, uh, which uh, the questions go straight through to uh, our editorial director, Tristan, and come to us online, or you can use the hashtag ARNLive. Uh, Tristan has an eye across um, social media. So let's dive straight into some of the uh, issues, of course, for quarter four, as we head towards December. One of the challenges, of course, is how's the market going in terms of lead times and getting vehicles through to customers? Perhaps start with Robin, um, if I may, uh, in Yorkshire. Obviously, you look after Suzuki and MG and previously uh, Mitsubishi. What's the reality of lead times at the moment for new cars? Uh, it's very mixed. Some uh, We've just had two transporters turn up today. Um, so some of these cars have probably been on order for three months. Um, there seems to be, uh, certainly for MG, there's a lot of stuff coming next year. Suzuki is going to have a, a tough first quarter, I think, they're short cars. Um, but actually, all we've got to do is we've got a cake and we've just got to slice the cake up. And when we've got a cake that's full of load of cars, we end up taking less money out of each one. When we've got a cake that hasn't got many cars, and each slice has got to be a bit bigger. So, you know, we still make the cake up. Just um, we make more money out of less cars or less money out of more cars. But are, you able, are customers able to order cars? I mean, you're right, there's a restriction. But if, if you come in and try and order Suzuki and MG, can you order them today or, or is, is it not possible? Uh, yeah, you can order one. I can't tell you exactly when it's going to come, um, but you can order one. But we've got some stuff. It makes used cars good. Still, in, you can still get hold of enough used cars to keep uh, to keep the wheels of business uh, rolling. You just have to make more out of everything. Do less and make more. Um, Dash, it's, a, it's an unusual challenge, but yeah, yeah. Dash, you've got 20 brands and obviously a, a, a more a geographical spread across the country. What's the picture across all of those brands? Is, is it consistent uh, or, or, or is it in pockets where there are there is supply and there isn't supply? Can you give us a flavour? 
So it's quite mixed. Uh, first of all, uh, our Merry Christmas, as uh, you decided to take it there, to you and to uh, everyone listening in. Uh, so I can say I'm officially probably the first person to say that. Um, I think uh, it's very it's very varied, to be fair. It varies by brand. I don't like to comment about uh, brands because it's not my place to. Uh, but I would say it, it is quite varied. I mean, some of our brands, we're taking orders for you know over a year away, believe it or not. Uh, some of our brands uh, aren't taking orders for specific models. Um, and then, you know, we're seeing, and again, the SMMT data points to which brands have had the most challenges within quarter three, for example, uh, and it's, it's not that difficult to work out, you know, where the challenges are. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a mixed picture. Uh, I think it's quite well known that the Korean brands seem to be in a pretty good position. And from what I understand, they tend to have their own supply uh, through their own uh, purchasing channels. Uh, and I think generally the Japanese brands are in a pretty good shape as well from what I picked up as well. Um, so that's the general thing that you're sort of seeing. But uh, some, some of our brands are very, 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 very much affected. And again, as, as I said, you'll see some of those brands in the, the SMMT data in uh, in October and in quarter three in particular. But I think, you know, when you look at quarter three as a whole, it was down 31.1%. So that gives you an indication of, you know, how challenging the market is. I think the other thing you've got to remember as well is let's not forget quarter three last year was pretty strong because clearly when we reopened the operations in June, we had all that pent up demand to sort of go through. So it's, it's quite difficult to sort of translate what's really going on in the marketplace right now. It's a bit like the, the used car figures that were released today. The, the challenge, of course, is what the customer does, because you're, you know, as, as retailers, you are largely at the mercy of the supply coming out of it. And Carolina, looking at it from what you do and the vast amount of data of what people are doing online when they're looking for cars, what, what's the customer journey uh, looking like for, for people um, online at the moment? I think to this specific question in terms of lead times, um, obviously uh, both Dash and Robin will be much more qualified to answer that being on the front line. But what we are seeing from the uh, consumer behavior and some retailers in terms of how they are leveraging the situation, there is a bright side to it because long lead time create some new opportunities to convert new buyers to yeast and some retailers take advantage of that. So. We've been trying to do quite a bit of research around it to understand how consumers approach it and you know how they are dealing with that situation. And um, around consumers are just not prepared to wait for more than a month, pretty much, for the uh, they desired vehicle. They are finding that process frustrating. And 74% of car buyers would be very open to purchasing a used car alternative if their brand new choice wasn't available within their desired time frame. So there are some opportunities to create there. Clearly, with used, it's a separate challenge as well. It's not like the uh, supply is in a great shape there, uh, but there are some opportunities there to unlock. You're watching the quarter four briefing from Auto Retail Network. If you have a comment or a question you'd like to put to the panel or something you'd like to share, um, and thank you for joining us uh, this afternoon for the webinar, please do. You can type in your question here uh, or you can use the hashtag ARN Live. Carolina, I'd like to stay with you just to go a little bit more into the the, the data there. So somebody will wait a month perhaps for for, for, for a new car. Will somebody just say, you know what, I, 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 rather than go used, if I say I was going for a Ford, I'll buy used Ford. Will somebody go, I, I, I wanted a Ford, but I'm going to go for a Kia instead. Is there any evidence that people are just switching brands completely and, and, and veering away from where they were? 
I think generally that happens quite a lot. Like the consumer journey is not linear at all. And the uh, what consumers are considering as part of the journey, it's a quite a complex process actually. And we are trying to, we always invest quite a bit of time trying to understand those trends. Certainly that happens. And there, there will be certain paths depending on the brands they are interested that they will follow. Uh, definitely, it's not. It doesn't have to necessarily be just like for like. Um, there will be certain basket of vehicles um, that will be open to exploring. Robin, th this sounds like a bit of a nightmare because uh, you've got a customer who uh, you've you spent time and effort investing in getting them familiar with your brand, and then you're not able to get them a car, and potentially they go from Suzuki to something outside of your franchise. How do you deal with that? Uh. I don't think it's just as bad because if, if they come to us, most consumers, when they come into the showroom now, know that there's a supply problem. Um, and they know there's a supply problem here, the dealership down the road, everywhere they go. Um, so if you find the car that they want and uh, you've dealt with all the objections, done all the job properly and whatever, and that's what they want, and that's how long they've got to wait for it, that's what they want, and that's how long they've got to wait for it. Um, and it'll be just the same if they go down the road to another dealership because they'll still have a wait for it because nothing's going to be there, you know, to pick up immediately. How informed are the customers? Interesting point you say that there is awareness. Are, are, are customers at that stage of that plugged into it? Is you know, we get a little bit into it because we're in the industry, but are people really that aware? Yeah, yeah. Most people that come in are, understand that there's uh, the supply problems um and uh you know one of the first questions is how quickly can you get me the car because that's what you would ask straight away you know they don't know whether it's going to be next week next month next year um they don't know whether you've got one in stock because it might just be lucky that they're after a car that you actually can supply because there are still cars that you can supply from stock Gash, you've got a slightly different issue because with 20 brands, in theory, you know, as, as Robin says, if you can't do one here, maybe I can find you in another brand. Is, is that an opportunity or is that a problem? Because you've got 20 different sets of people each trying to sell their own brand. Well, obviously, we can't do that with new cars because it's very simple. If you do that, you lose the new car franchise because, uh, you know, you. I mean, it would be a crazy thing to say, well, okay, if you can't supply, I don't know, just as an example, a, if you can't supply a, you know, a BMW, let's sell them an Audi, or if you can't supply an Audi, sell them a Mercedes. I mean, you know, it's very simple. You lose the franchise agreement. You're not allowed to do that. Uh, obviously, used is a slightly different uh, prospect, but I, I agree with Robin. You know, the reality is most customers know, they've just spent a lot of time researching. They know roughly what they want, and, and they will come in. And, uh, you know, I would say probably about three months ago, um, around about June, July, I was getting a few customer complaints on supply. Uh, and I think part of the issue was the fact that... Um, uh, consumers were being told by our sales teams, I'm really sorry, your car's been delayed, your car's been... In fact, I, I went through the same experience with my with my uh, Audi. Uh, that was uh, four months delayed. Um, and I think if you're... I mean, okay, as you're right, we're in the industry, so we know what some of the challenges are. But I was getting a few customer complaints around, uh, I'm being told my car's been delayed, it's been delayed. And, and I think they didn't believe what we were telling them. Uh, and then when you sit down and you explain to customers that this is part of the you know the fallout from the pandemic, most customers are uh, are understanding of it because it is quite well documented now. So um, just as Robin's saying, I agree. Most customers now are aware of this, and I haven't had a complaint of that nature for some time now, probably probably two three months. So I think when this when when the supply got tighter, which was definitely going into Q three, 
um, that we did we did find some customers and were not aware of it. But I think most customers now are are understanding of the situation. I think the manufacturers have done a um, a pretty good job, and certainly we at Marshall we have communicated with our customers to to keep them informed. Um, and, and most customers are pretty understanding and sensible of this, and uh, uh, are sympathetic with the situation that we're facing. It's not it's not a situation that's been created by anybody other than it's just a fallout from the pandemic, really. So adaptation is a key, and, and adaptation the industry certainly has as, as a result of COVID. But start of COVID, salespeople were typically—I know Marshall's slightly different—you you changed to a higher basic, but salespeople are still rewarded on performance. If you've taken away the opportunity to perform by you can't get new vehicles, how are you managing the the the, the sales team to keep them motivated and rewarded? Well, I think, I think our sales teams are. Uh, having a great time, quite frankly, because ultimately, I won't use Robin's cake analogy, but if you look at total gross profit, fundamentally, it's made up of volume multiplied by margin. So even though our volumes are back, our margins are so strong, it is more than compensating for the total gross profit that we typically would generate. So uh, actually, uh, our salespeople who are paid on gross profit are actually earning probably the best they've ever earned. And you can see that with all of the sort of uh, well-documented profit releases that the various PLCs, including ourselves, have put out there in terms of our results. So actually, there's not a concern there with what our people are earning. In fact, quite the opposite. They're all going to have a, a great year, which is great. So, Robin, is there anything you've had to do differently or is, 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 the, is the sales recognition process the same as it was, as Dash says? It's make more money per car, no problem. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sell less cars, make more money. Um, Salesman's dream, really, isn't it? Um, they don't have to do as much work, and they earn the same amount of money. Um, the only thing that we've done is we've slightly altered. We've offered uh, new starters a choice of two packages. They can either take a, uh, a low basic and a high commission, or a higher basic and a lower commission. Um, because obviously, some people are nervous about starting and how they're going to do. So, but the ones that have started that have taken the higher basic. And lower commission, all of them will change onto the uh, lower basic and the traditional pay plan um, pretty quickly. So yeah, the salesmen have had a good deal. You're watching Auto Retail Network's quarter four briefing uh, with Dash Gupta, chief exec of Marshall Motors, uh, Robin Luscombe, managing director of Luscombe Motors, uh, and Carolina Edward Schmider, the product director of Auto Trader. Carolina. The other part of the equation we talked a little bit about new there. Let's let's think about used uh, because part exchange is is, is uh, important in this process. Consumer, as Robin and Dash have alluded to, are aware that used values are rising. How, how's that playing out in the market at the moment in terms of consumer behaviour with used cars and what you're seeing online? So, well, used car values, as we all know, are very strong at the moment and we are not seeing any signs of this trend weakening looking at the uh, latest october data the uh, the average price of used car was nearly seven thousand pounds that's 26 percent up year on year that's huge and that's and that's so far it's been 19 months of consecutive growth so certainly from that respect very strong market and all of that will translate to um part exchange prices as well and consumers it will play back to consumers or play through to consumers now as well there are so many valuation tools available 
in the market. So we certainly trying to create through AutoTrader that transparency to make sure consumers are aware what they can get for their next car. And I think creating that transparency for consumers, that is absolutely critical to make sure we manage their expectations in the right way. I think by being transparent, because part exchange process in the most traditional form when it's done offline, that's a most common pain point for both actually consumers and retailers, because very often it drives consumer dissatisfaction, but will often cost sales um, to retailers. So we know that 70% of buyers have a car to part exchange um, when they are making their next purchase. However, 16% said that having to haggle over the price with a retailer is the most frustrating point. So bringing this transparency to the part exchange process feels absolutely critical and is expected by consumers today. They know where to go. And therefore, a lot of retailers started doing that already, which feels like the, uh, the right thing. We at AutoTrade are trying to get involved as well and support both consumers and retailers um, with our guaranteed part exchange product as well, making this part exchange journey fully online, fully transparent, so the consumer knows what to expect because feels like that's right. There's a lot of competition actually at the moment in terms of what should be offered to consumer for the car because stock is in such a demand. So a lot of retailers will actually compete for for those vehicles. They are of huge value at the moment. Dash, are, are consumers being realistic? I mean, Carolina said there, you, you can find out. But, you know, if the kind of the whisper you hear in the pub is that, oh, all, all used cars are worth more money, does this, does this mean people are being unrealistic when they're coming into the showroom or are they being sensible? Dash, are you there? Oh, sorry, I'm on mute. That. Apologies, making sure oh, I'm on right. mute. I'm not speaking. Uh, so no, I think uh, when um, it just sort of build on the point that Carolina made. I mean, if you look at cap values since uh, the end of quarter one, they've gone up thirty percent. Okay, uh, and if you compare that to what it typically would have been in 2019, it was a depreciation of eleven percent. So that's a delta of forty-one percent. I mean, it's huge, absolutely huge. So if you imagine you had a car that was worth twenty thousand pounds in 2019, it would have been it would have dropped. You know, two thousand two hundred pounds. What's happened this year? It's gone up six thousand pounds. So it's a delta of eight thousand pounds. So if you think about a lot of these customers, they are in a PCP. We know eighty three percent of our new car customers are uh, buying on that uh, uh, that uh, finance mechanism. So when they come to renew their vehicle, they've suddenly got significantly more equity than they ever expected. And what that's enabling them to do is use that as a deposit, either to go for a new or uh, nearly new car because they can't get get a new one. So we're not having an issue on that at all. In fact, quite the opposite. In many cases, we're finding that customers are able to literally walk out of one car and go straight into the other one for, in, in uh, many cases, for less than what they're paying now. So actually, from a consumer perspective, this is great news. And I think the one thing I would really, really hope um, is we all learn from this because, you know, um, Roman's points about, uh, you know, operating in an oversupplied market, which is something I've done throughout my whole career, uh, I've not been used to this uh, this environment. I don't think any of us have probably been used to an environment such as we're operating in now. You know, we've all dreamt of and we've all talked about, wouldn't it be great if we had one less car than what demand was? Well, actually, we've currently got several hundred thousand uh, less cars than what demand is for. So 
uh, OEM, OEMs are making more money than ever before because they're not having to uh, do tactical incentives. They're not doing low margin business to be able to uh, move that, those vehicles. And, and ultimately, what we're seeing is uh, supply to demand economics kicking, hence why the residual values are strong. And that is in the best interest of the customer. When residual values are strong, that is good for consumers because it makes it a lot easier conversation to say, Al, you're paying £300 a month now. You come for your renewal. So instead of what we've had to do in some cases in recent years, particularly post the Brexit vote where we've seen currency weaken, we've had to say to that customer, you're paying £300 now. You're now having to pay 450 475 That's a pretty hard sell. Today, saying to a customer, you're paying £300 and giving them a small increase or even the same payments, that's a pretty compelling proposition and that's an easy sell. So keeping residual values protected, keeping that supply to demand curve is really, really important. You know, we've, you know, in many ways ended up in this situation as a result of luck because of the pandemic. I just hope that we all learn from this and say, okay, you know, let's not go back to the crazy days that we've been in the past. And I, I've got to give a lot of credit to a lot of the OEMs I'm talking to uh, and they're looking at this and saying, actually, this is a good thing for all stakeholders, consumers, number one, for our OEM partners and for the retailers. So let's uh, let's hope we can carry on with this dynamic. Robin, we're, at, we're we're heading towards the end of the year. Final oh, final quarter right, has yeah. traditionally been a, a part when um, push is made. Manufacturers want to make sure that the numbers are, are over the line. Is that the case this year, or, or are there different dynamics at work? I know completely different because they haven't got the cars. Um, so this year it's um, it's just a matter of trying to make the used car offering as good as possible. Um, pick and choose your deals on new cars if they're available, if they're in stock. Uh, retain as much margin as possible. Do all the basics right. And all the things that you didn't have time to do when you were too busy selling too many cars, now you're selling less cars, you've got more time to make sure that you do everything properly. Is that reflected in, is that reflected, sorry, just an interesting point there. Does that mean that the customer satisfaction scores are going up as well because you're able to give more time to do it? Well, they should be. Um, that's a very interesting point. It'd be nice to see what does happen. One of the dangers is that people do take as long to do less. So what we've got to do is you've got to make sure that you're filling, everybody's filling the days. If they're not filling the days selling five cars, they've only got two cars to sell, but they're making twice the profit out of each of them. They've got to do twice as good a job. Interesting point. The new car market is changing. Uh, we saw in the latest SMMT data for November, about a quarter of um, all cars are sold with a plug um, now, and, and, and that will obviously rise moving forward. But uh, and EVs are coming. Carolina, is EV now, electric vehicle now mainstream? And, and people looking on Auto Trader are, uh, are now at the point where the platform is almost irrelevant, or is that overstating the, the reality? I think the interest is certainly rising and it's moving in the right direction, but true intent hasn't reached the majority, not yet anyway. I think looking at the, uh, so we are tracking very closely behavior and how it's evolving and certainly changing. Like one interesting point to make when we um, had the um, uh, fuel shortage and panic buying, we saw a massive surge in um, EV interest as a result. It was up by 300% um, compared to um, same period last year. It just shows you like how, like, you know, like different push factors that will make 
consumers think differently. But stepping away from that and looking at more broader trends, overall, um, a quarter of those who consider a new car look at electric vehicles now. And that's the uh, stats specific for October, so the latest data. That is 17 percentage points higher than it was in October last year. So we are moving in the right direction. However, um, despite this huge growth um, in interest, there are still challenges in turning those EV considerers into intenders. So there are still massive barriers um, for, to entry for most people. They are mainly driven by um, infrastructure limitations, but, but the main reason is price. We know that nearly 40% of consumers say that the upfront expense is the biggest barrier to, en barrier to entry. Um, the cost um, is like, it's no surprise. The average EV vehicle is currently over a third more expensive than the uh, uh, petrol or diesel equivalent. So that's a big price difference. And as a result of this disparity in pricing, um, and, and even though there is this huge interest overall and consumers exploring it, electric vehicles remain limited to just those most affluent buyers. So we are trying to look at different trends and understand profiles. And it shows us that, uh, that um, EV buyers are normally, um, they, they live in postcodes which are more, more affluent. They are also older than typical used car buyer. They are significantly more affluent in terms of the, uh, the income. They, they will have higher income and they represent wealthier profiles in terms of social grades. So there is a specific profile of bias at the moment. It's not, this suggests it's not mainstream yet. And a lot of, a lot has to change for us to get there. Robin, I'm going to come to the sales floor because I love we're talking to you today when uh, there's loads of stuff going on in the background there. Yeah, um, MG, yeah. one of your brands, obviously a, is a is a leader, one early an early adopter yeah. in electric vehicles, and Morrow. Suzuki is following. Uh, uh, would you say Morrow. that your customers are EV aware and EV interested? Uh, yes, definitely. We're seeing a massive change in the way that inquire people the number and the the range of people that are inquiring for MG electric cars this year. Uh, and the volume, I mean, it was, it was pretty surprising last year, but it's, it's astounding this year. Because um, they've now got 250 mile plus range, 20, 20 odd thousand quid, 25, 30,000 quid. The second hand ones that you can buy for 20,000 quid. So actually, uh, it's affordable now. And with petrol, I, I filled a five litre can of petrol the other week. And he used to think that a, ga a gallon, five litres, was a fiver. It was £7.80 for five litres of petrol. And when you start realising that, you you know, that's starting getting on towards £2 a litre. Um, and it really does make an electric car that does, you know, 30 miles for a few quid. Um, a hell of a compelling uh, argument compared to a petrol car at, at thick end of £8 a gallon. Mm. So the, the, there's and the awareness and interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the servicing is much cheaper. So people and people want to go green. People do want to save the planet and, and feel that they're doing their bit. And they do realise that we're, this is the direction that we're going. So we might as well go now. Um, so there's a, an awful lot behind it. And I think next year is going to be the point when EV really does uh, take off because there's a lot more 
I've got my choice now. There's going to be second-hand ones. Um, it, by the time we get to 2030, we'll already be fully EV. Dash, you, people who follow Dash um, on social media, you'll see that you recently um, flipped over and you're spending most of your time um, in an Audi e-tron, I think you're driving at the moment. Um, does, is the reality across such a big footprint that you have that with the chip shortage um, that, that manufacturers are dealing with, are they manufacturers making EVs easier to get hold of proportional to internal combustion engine or, or not? Or is it not based on EV versus internal combustion in that sense? I think there's probably some pressure there, uh, Al. I think it's difficult to know what's happening in terms of production. But I would say, you know, what we are seeing is trends with a number of brands. Um, again, as I said, I don't like to comment about specific brands because I don't think it's right to do that. But uh, what we are seeing is certain brands are uh, moving chips from smaller vehicles and putting them into higher spec, higher higher value cars, which again is exactly if you were you were you or I were running. I know that's exactly what we would do because clearly the mar profit margins are much higher on those vehicles. Um, so there's a little bit of that, but I think there's also a little bit of the, uh, the big challenge that um, OEMs are facing, which is around emissions targets. So clearly there's a big focus there as well. So I think when you take the fact that EVs are generally more expensive, and of course you've then got the emission targets as well, that's probably why um, you know, you're seeing uh, EVs probably more accessible than, than, uh, than ICE vehicles. And certainly if you look at the SMT data year to date, uh, market share for pure BEV is 15%, which I think far, far exceeds anybody's expectations. I mean, that, that you know, we, we plan on a, uh, as an organization on a monthly, on a, sorry, on an annual basis. We do a lot of strategy work. We have external people help us. Nobody predicted 15%, uh, not even close uh, by this time. So, and I think there's a combination of things there that, that's driving that. I do think the whole sustainability agenda is is driving this um i think that's got a lot of momentum and it's interesting we've also got cop 26 happening right now um so that whole topic around sustainability is here to stay and i think um you know picking up some of carol in this point it doesn't you know i, I think more people are now going to be I, I can almost see it's a bit like i went to uh uh to, to do some food shopping the other day and i forgot to take uh we recycled plastic carrier bags in our house and i forgot to take them because i just, just forgot and um, uh, I, I felt embarrassed to pay 20 pence for carrier bags. And I think it will almost become like, oh, you're driving a you're driving a petrol or diesel car. And I think that momentum will happen quite quickly. Um, but I think also you can see the demand, as I said, 15% on new cars. If you then flow that through into used cars, you will have seen on the used car data today, uh, used car, new car sales are up 50, I think in Q3, 55% from memory, and then 43% on used. So that it's definitely getting momentum for sure. Um, I do agree with some of the comments made around uh, pricing, but I do think whilst the, there is a significant difference between um, BEVs and ICE, uh, and I think Carolina talks about a third difference, uh, let's not forget customers don't buy on a transactional price, they buy on a lease. So, you know, whilst the payments will be higher, picking up Robin's point, because people don't have the cost of um, either company car tax or congestion charge or... Uh, cost of fuel by the time you factor all those into consideration it's probably not as much as people people think because I've, I've been quite pleasantly surprised uh, as to how easy it's been um but of course i think the biggest issue still remains though is uh, it's not range anxiety anymore it's charging anxiety and that's that's i think is going to be one of the barriers still to for people to buy and even though you know my e-tron does 250 miles when, on a full charge i mean i've got a meeting 
next week in Gloucester. And if I go from my home to Gloucester, it's a, it's 120 miles. So I'm now sat thinking, do I really want to run the risk of being, you know, if I get if I get lost or I get stuck with eight eight or nine miles, that that's a little bit worrying. So I now have to make another contingency plan. Like where am I going to stop? And of course, if you've ever stopped to try and get charging, uh, it's something I've done once so far, uh, and, and, it, and the experience wasn't great because uh, there are two charging points. One was being used, the other one was broken down. Uh, so I, thought, I was lucky I only had to wait half an hour. But again, you can see why some consumers have a bit of anxiety with the, with the infrastructure that we currently have in this country. There's a message going out there. So whoever, um, whichever dealership Dash is visiting in Gloucester next week, you want to be getting the uh, charge point washed down and ready for it. You're watching the Auto Retail Live um, quarter four briefing. Uh, we're going to take your questions now. And if you have some points that you'd like to raise or comments on things the panel have talked about so far, uh, please feel free. You can type in your question here um, on the webinar chat um, or use the hashtag ARN Live. Dash, I'm going to stay with you because... Um, Andy Goss um, from Vertu had a question. Interesting talking about cost to change, it, it, um, which it is, 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 is. Sorry? If it's, anything, if it's anything to do with football from Andy Goss, don't take it. No, no, no. It's, I've resisted that. Um, the, the serious point, though, about the cost to change being at an all-time low because of the, the dynamics of the market. But um, he's asking the question, how concerned is the panel? We'll come to Robin in a second. About the, 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 the cost of change in 2022, 2023, um, in a kind of more normal environment, if, if we've kind of got to that, and maybe there we're heading also into agency, without going too far into agency, but there's things to think about there. I think that's a really good question. Uh, it's one that I've certainly reflected on because, of course, one thing's for certain, uh, we will not have the traditional margin that we uh, have enjoyed in the past. So the challenge, of course, is, you know, in a, I guess the point that Andy's trying to allude to is today we're fortunate where RVs are strong. And that, that conversation that I gave you, Al, it's easy to sell somebody a car from £300 to, you know, current uh, payments. The challenge, of course, is moving forward as residual values normalise and you may not have traditional margins. Uh, and if you were going to say four, four and a half, five percent agency commission, how do you then deal with that situation? So it's, it's one that we need to consider. Uh, of course, the OEMs will need to support uh, that situation because if certain manufacturers do go agency, um, you know, they will need to remain competitive. And I know there's a lot of uh, differing views on agency. Uh, my, my view is very simple, that uh, as long as we as retailers remain relevant and we are required to provide fulfillment for OEMs, uh, and I believe that, you know, major OEMs with scale uh, who have big vehicle parks will require retailers to do uh, maintenance, servicing parts, recalls, PDI, handovers, all of those good things that we do. I do think the number of network, the number of retailers with a net network will shrink. So, and that's where I think the smaller retailers will come under pressure. I also think the number of OEMs will reduce potentially and be consolidated. We've seen that in recent years uh, with the, the sort of consolidation with PSA, with Vauxhall, with Opal, with FCA, Mitsubishi leaving the market. So there's a lot going on. Uh, but I think fundamentally, as long as we are required to provide that fulfillment, then ultimately uh, OEMs need to make sure that we have a viable and commercial business. Because if we don't, uh, I'm sure guys like Andy, and like me, will very simply look at the return that they make on their investment. And if it's not a viable business, we'll simply take our investment out and we'll invest it into something else. So for me, that kind of symbiotic relationship has always been a little bit built on trust. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit naive there, but I do believe that as long as we're required to be relevant and we are relevant, then the, there has to be an acceptable rate of return. 
Robin, slightly different dynamic um, from 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 Dash and, and Andy with the more PLC uh, view. What, what's your take on on as business normalising and, and the future? Uh, it's fairly simplistic, really. I think that car buyers will want to buy and deal through a car dealership and somebody that's going to look after them and somebody that knows about the car. So as far as that's concerned, I don't have a problem. If we go agency, we'll just deal with the cars that we dealt. And if it's, as Dash says, if it's viable, it's viable. If it's not viable, they won't have anybody to, sell, to hand over the cars and deal with that. So that won't work. And I don't have a fear about small deep chips because we're far more nimble and um, we're a speedboat compared to some oil tankers. So we can change direction really quickly and we can deal with changes that happen. So that ain't a problem to me, the small dealership. I, I just, I, I almost can't wait for Dash to come back to being channeled to these a super tanker. But I know that just bruises ego or help it, to be honest with you. But um, let, let's move on to, to Cliff Della. Um, Cliff, hi, good afternoon. Thanks for your question. Um, it's about used cars. And, and Robin, I want to kick off with you, actually. How will you know when the used car bubble has burst? I know it sounds like a really obvious question, but it's an important one because you've got to prepare for that. And you've got to prepare for that moment when the, when the market does, does swing. Well, it's not going to burst. It's going to just return, in my opinion, is it's just going to return to um, gradual monthly depreciation. Normal normal things will come back to the market. As, as we get more new cars coming back into the market, that will have an effect slowly on used cars uh, diminishing in price. But the new cars aren't going to suddenly all come in one big hit, the new cars are going to come back into the market. I would think it'll be quarter three, quarter four before we get back to uh, normal times. So the used car market has got a long time to slowly realign itself uh, with between demand and supply. It's not going to happen overnight. Dash, I mean, it's it's a, it's a it's a hideous game trying to guess the future, but but. You obviously try and plan for for where things are going to change. Is is your crystal ball seeing twenty three or twenty four? When are things going to start settling back to what we used to call normality? I think it's really difficult, Sam. And I think my general sense is we're not going to get to any sort of normality for probably at least twenty three. Um, I think even if we found a cave with ten trillion chips, all of a sudden the reality is they can't produce vehicles as quick. Uh, as quickly to to sort of satisfy that uh, order bank and also uh, the production, the, the factory capability and capacity can only do so much. So I think I probably agree with Roman. I don't see it being a crash is my sense. Uh, but then again, you know, who could have predicted a 30% price increase in cap in eight months? I think if anybody had predicted that, they would have been crazy. Uh, it makes forecasting very, very difficult. Um, but... Um, I don't see a crash. I think it will be a gradual return to some sort of normality. When that is, I think it's difficult to say, but I, think, I, I don't see it normalising until 23 at the earliest, is my personal view. We're going to change gear uh, and we're going to switch to EVs. Carolina, one for you. Do buyers trust used EVs uh, or are they mostly looking for new EVs? What do you see through the data of Autotrader? I think what we see from consumers is certainly a lot of confusion um, when it comes to buying EVs, and I think um, and I think we have a big role to play to try to help 
consumers because there is there's loads of jargon that it's hard to know um what's good it's like a lot of questions about battery life and how it ages um so i think educating consumers making um this process simpler and more straightforward talking to consumers in a different language it's very important um, in that scenario. I think the um, used market for EVs will be growing. And I think like, obviously the, uh, we are very limited uh, today in terms of EV supply on the used side of things because there were not just that many models available. So it's a very limited market and we are seeing like huge curve of improvement so I think like we need to think about how this market is going to mature because like obviously it will um, consumers will be buying used EVs, which goes back to the uh, you know the price of new EVs as well. Like it is it is more expensive compared to ICE equivalents. So used EV option should be a good option for some consumers as well. But we have more work to do to make it make consumers more confident in making those choices. Thank you. You're watching the Auto Retail Network quarter four briefing. Couple more questions, quick fire dash. Um, do you see um, uh, from uh, Matthew Cripps of Nissan Oxford? Hi, Matthew. Thanks for your question. Dash, do you see a major uplift in profits for 2022 above 2021 or a more stabilized market? Well, profit will probably be less than 20 uh, than 21. Um, number of factors within that. Uh, firstly, you will have um, I think we're all seeing pressure on inflation uh, with regard to uh, uh, recruitment uh, in terms of staff shortages. So that's putting pressure in the system around uh, pay. So we're, we're all seeing everyone I talk to in every business, every sector is seeing that pressure come through. Secondly, uh, rates will not be there to support operations. Uh, and of course, the challenge will be, you know, are we likely to see another 30% increase in used car uh, profitability? Unlikely. So I think it would, it's, it's definitely going to be back is my view on 2021, uh, how far back is going to be determined on what residual values do uh, and what uh, supply looks like. Uh, and by the way, Matthew, you need to sell some Nissans today. Sorry, he works for us at our, uh, he works for us at our uh, Oxford Nissan business. Oh, so maybe you'll be going via via Oxford to, to Gloucester next week. So I'll be getting my car charged there next week. Yeah. Um, Robin, Question from Richard Allen at BCA from our conversation earlier, actually, interesting one. And um, Robin said, which salary package is the most popular? So you've got the two offers. You've got low basic, high commission, or high basic, low commission. So which way does it work in your business, Robin? Uh, um, initially, we've had a couple that want the higher basic, lower commission, um, but then they all, they all want to change onto the low basic, high commission. If, if your salesman's any good, he would, wouldn't he? And where do you sit in that? Which did you go for? Me? Oh, I don't get anything, me. I just sit back and watch it. <laughs> I tell you what, there's not many cards moved across the chart at the back there since we've been going on. So maybe you maybe want to have another a call after we've finished our webinar here. Um, you like we're nearly done, tea cards. You can't beat tea cards, can you? Oh. I love them. I love them. So do I. Um, we're, we're nearly done um, with our webinar, but we do we do have a tradition of, of actually asking for something to take away, a tip to take away. So, Carolina, I'm going to I'm going to come to you first. Before we close, what's one thing that 
people watching today can do uh, in the showroom or online this afternoon that will will help in this final stage of quarter four? Well, I think I think the key takeaway uh, from me is the market is not going back to normal anytime soon, and some of the uh, um, changes will be long lasting because of the uh, new car supply. Um, which has been restricted in the last few years, that will have uh, implications for the years to come. So it's really important that retailers um, follow data-led pricing strategy and um, really understanding supply and demand dynamic in the most granular level at vehicle level to know how to really win in that market. Um, because th I think this is the uh, opportunity in the current market at the moment. So really important to keep track of, of that pricing and how the market is changing because it will continue changing and will continue evolving. Keep on top of pricing is the word from Carolina. Robin, what's your tip to take away? Uh, my tip is use your time wisely. Um, quite often in the, in the dealership, we complain about never having time to do everything. Well, we've now got probably six weeks where we're probably not going to be as busy. We're not going to have the cars to sell and deliver in the same volume as we would normally. So use that time wisely because next year um, it's going to get better. Um, and otherwise it's just wasted time. And there's plenty of things that you can do uh, to make sure that you're making it better for next year. Spend time wisely. Dash, what's your final take? I think for me, it's two things. Um, mindset, number one. Um, and I think number two is around, are you maximizing the potential of your business? So, uh, you know, one of the things we've all benefited from these, you know, unprecedented market conditions and the dynamics that we're seeing, um, you know, and I, I sort of sometimes question in my organization that are we uh, pushing for the maximum potential? Because at the minute we've all uh, probably smashed our original 2021 budget expectations, but just because we've exceeded those budgets, are we maximizing the potential? That would be the question I would make. Are we maximizing every opportunity that comes through the door? It's too easy to get to our numbers right now because of margin. So that would be my thing. Maximize the potential. And number two, what's your mindset like? This has been a really interesting and lively um, and informative uh, session. Thank you very much to our panel, to Dash Gupta, Chief Executive Marshall, Robin Luscombe, um, MD of Luscombe Group, and Carolina Edwards-Smider, Product Director of AutoTrader. Uh, thank you for taking time to join us and for your questions and comments. Uh, and for the final quarter of 2021, go out there and smash it out the park. On behalf of Tristan and the team at Auto Retail Network, thank you for joining us and good luck online and in the showroom.